Welcome, y'all, to the Direct Examination Podcast. I'm Madeline Dukes. I'm Dane Phillips. And I'm Joseph Bias. Uh, obviously, the voice that you heard isn't Amber. Amber couldn't make it, so we have our favorite, or one of our favorites, uh, fill-in co-hosts. We have Madeline with us. Madeline, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me again. Like I said, glad to be the backup token Bates Berkeley's villain. Well, well, we got we got to have we got to fill the quota here of the Baseburg Leasel. Continue. We, do. we would we were told we'd actually get canceled if we uh, don't have somebody with that accent on the show. So we appreciate you filling in, um, and we appreciate you all listening. Of course, if you are interested in our previous episodes, you can go to our website sclawpod.com. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook, and obviously everywhere you get your uh, podcast. Um, Dane, how are you? How how's life? Living the dream, you know, uh, just uh, busy as ever. Uh, what can you say? Busy is good. Uh, busy is how can you complain when you have so much work to do? There you go. <laughs> well, look, I, I know that you're out there, you know, doing great work for the innocent people of uh, South Carolina. You know, busy time for all of us. School started back. So my client is uh, I'm happy with me and, and, and trying to get things going that way. But Dane, Madeline, I know that you listen every week and that you've appeared on the show before. You know that we have a reputation of having nothing but the most illustrious guests. And sometimes, you know, we say that, but this week we actually mean it because we have... Uh, we always mean it. We always mean it. <laughs> we, always mean it. we always mean it. But this week... Uh, our some guests, weeks you mean it a little bit more than others. Some weeks, you know, there's a little twinkle in our eye uh, when we say <laughs> Um, and the uh, guest we have this week is somebody who uh, we've known for a while and um, we're excited to have on. He was elected to the South Carolina Circuit Court in 1997, and he served the state in that capacity until he, he w- seated in Richland County, excuse me, until uh, he moved to active retired status. Um, he is a former Richland County Council member. He currently teaches trial advocacy at the University of South Carolina School of Law. So if you're a law student listening to this, you have the opportunity to take this uh, gentleman's class. Highly recommend it. Um, Please welcome uh, Judge James Barber to the show. Uh, Judge Barber, how are you, sir? I'm good. Thank you, Joseph. Nice to be with all of you tonight. Uh, Thank you, Judge Barber. I'll tell you, you know, to have uh, such a distinguished jurist, I mean, when it comes to Richland County, you're the living legend you know you 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 know you ruled over richland county for (laughs) however many years it was so i certainly i hate that i was never able to try a case in front of you however as uh it was either an undergrad or as a a true law clerk with john delgado i got to assist him in trying a murder case in front of you so i unfortunately never had the opportunity to actually try my own case in front of you but we just uh very excited to have you on the show well I'm not sure how truthful that statement was about <laughs> my reputation, but uh, it's nice to hear. Judge, talking about trials, let's start with that. So you've obviously had the benefit of sitting on the bench for a while. Kind of reflecting back on your time on the bench and looking at these trials, what traits do you see and, and can you recognize kind of from the get-go of the good trial advocate or somebody who is an attorney in South Carolina who you think, okay, this is going to be a good, or this person is prepared and and knows what they're talking about? Well, I don't know that you ever know that until they actually get on the bench and um, 
serve and you get to observe them and uh in their capacity as a as a judge and see uh one how they do on a trial um, do they know the rules of evidence which i think are probably one of the most important things that both lawyers and judges need to know in order to be effective and do a good job in their uh, in their capacity uh do they have the patience can they uh be a judge that uh, maintains discipline but does it with uh, with dignity and doesn't try to embarrass people unless occasionally people need to be embarrassed a little bit and um, but uh, there's there's a you know all kinds of styles we have all kinds of judges in South Carolina and there's not anyone that is just because of his or her uh, background or uh, behavior is a better or a worse judge. It just is um, an individual thing. Was there somebody when you started out on the bench that you looked at and you said, you know what, I want to emulate that person? Well, there were some judges that I appeared in front of that I thought were really good judges. And I really liked uh, working in front of them. Uh, Justice James Moore from Greenwood, when I, I tried a case in front of him, uh, when he was a circuit court judge, and I thought he would, I mean, he was a gentleman, but he ran his court. Uh, uh, judge Walter Cox, who was a, um, went on, left the circuit mansion, went on to be on the military court of appeals. He was an outstanding judge, in my opinion. Um, uh, judge Bristow, who was a local judge here in Richland County, uh, he, he was a little different. But he, um, he, he was about as smart a judge as I've ever been in front of. Uh, uh, there, yeah, there, there were some judges that I, I really liked and liked to appear in front of. There were some judges that I did not like to appear in front of. Um, <laughs> uh, so just like everybody else. <clears throat> well, one thing I want to jump in, you talked about the rules of evidence. And I, I don't think that could be more... Uh, overstated in this or understated in the sense that young lawyers I don't think understand how important it is to truly master the rules of evidence because there's plenty of uh, even uh, seasoned lawyers who come into the courtroom and just have do not have a great handle on the on the rules of evidence and that their case could be turned in an entirely different way during the trial had they been able to make the proper objections and do it uh, in a in such a way you know as far as their advocacy to convince the judge to side with them as far as their motions and objections regarding the rules of evidence. You think that's one of those things that just hasn't been, that there needs to be a bigger emphasis for uh, lawyers in general when they step into the courtroom? I think the two most important um, factors to make a good lawyer in a trial are one, preparation, and two, knowledge of the rules of evidence. Those, in my opinion, are the two most important things a lawyer can can uh, do to um, be a good trial lawyer. Um, and it's amazing how many people don't know the rules of evidence. And I, I don't know if, if they j just don't spend much time of it when they're in, uh, involved with it when they're in law school or don't pay much attention to uh, what evidence is coming into the case when they uh, are getting ready to try it and make sure that that's uh, they can either get admitted or keep out whatever it is that they want to. And uh, it, it, it can be absolutely critical. You can win or, or lose a case by virtue of not stopping something from getting in or not getting something in that you could have gotten in. 
They definitely appreciate that. We got a lot of uh, younger lawyers who listen to our podcast and uh, even a contingency of law students. So law students that are listening, take, definitely take that extra time to not just learn it for the test. You got a prof here as a co-host who can say, we're, you know, this is a, uh, a profession. We're not just learning things for the test. This is that will help you uh, later in the courtroom. And, That's absolutely correct. And Judge, being one of those younger lawyers, one of the things, you know, I often wonder and now have the beauty of opportunity to ask is, you know, what's something, and it can go both ways, what's something you see from a young lawyer that makes you, you know, kind of say either good or bad, I remember that person, they did this very well, or here we go again with another young lawyer doing this stupid thing. I mean, what, what sorts of things should we you know, avoid or particularly um, plan for outside of the preparation tip, which is key. Well, again, uh, uh, preparation is it. If you have prepared well for that case and you have uh, started with the, the time you get it, be it a criminal or a civil case, work that case, either through discovery, whatever it is you needed to do. So when you're ready to go to trial, you, have, you know about your evidence, you know what you need to do, uh, you have, uh, made some arrangements on your opening. Uh, you have, uh, from the beginning of the trial, you've started making notes about what you might want to uh, cover in your closing. Uh, you have prepared your witnesses um, for direct examination. Um, in my opinion, the hardest thing in a trial is um, for a lawyer to direct the examination. It's amazing to me how many seasoned lawyers do not know how to conduct direct examination. And it's, uh, uh, it's a thing that um, people that, that lead all the time don't know how to ask questions that are permitted in the uh, uh, direct examination. The other side just interrupts them constantly by objecting to it. The court's got to go along with it. Uh, and it can just throw a case. Um, of course, you have to be prepared for your cross-examination. It's a little easier on um, in a civil case because you've had all your discovery. You've generally deposed witnesses. You know what they're going to say, so you can prepare your cross well before the trial. Some of the times in, cr in uh, criminal cases, because you have such limited discovery, you uh, uh, you can't be as prepared. And then uh, then you got your closing now. You know, closings are um, closings get a lot of credit for a lot of things, and I think that that by and large, lawyers don't win or lose closing uh, cases on closings. Uh, I can think in the um, 24 years that I've tried cases as a judge of maybe one case that I thought the lawyer turned the jury on a closing argument. Now it's important that your closing be consistent with your uh, with your trial and what came in. You, you, I think you might be able to blow a closing, um, but it, um, it it's hard to win a case on a closing. You win that case on the facts, and if you get the stuff in that you need to get in, then you got a good chance to get uh, get a verdict. Well, Judge, I didn't ask you, or I didn't bring this up in your bio, but obviously you were a practicing attorney before you got on the bench. I'm curious, in those 24 years of hearing cases, how often are you up there just saying, you know, pulling your hair out, like, man, if he just asked this one question, or man, if he would just stop leading, like, how, I, I, to me, that would be one of the more difficult parts of the job is, you know, that desire to kind of want it, like, correct and help, but you, you obviously can't, you have to be neutral. 
Well, you have to pretty much be neutral now. <laughs> I always took the position that a judge has to be a little more active in a criminal case than in a civil case. If in fact, it, because the, the criminal case, the defendant has sometimes serious liberty at jeopardy. And if he's got a lawyer that really is not competent or not prepared, I think the judge has somewhat of an obligation to see that that, that his rights are protected. And, and That's uh, interesting. if, if um, the lawyer's not objecting to things that really need to be objected to, um, you know, sometimes I sort of nudge the lawyer to try and get him to do something to, um, to help his case. Because in a civil case, you know, who cares? If the plaintiff is not prepared and loses right. the case, that's between he and his uh, client or she and her client. Uh, civil, criminal cases are different. Now, you got to be careful because you, the judge doesn't want to get involved too much because you may be stepping on somebody's toes in the strategy of their trial. I mean, they may intend to let somebody commit error right? Uh, for some purpose or another. But, um, you know, let me tell you, we have great lawyers in South Carolina. I, I would put the lawyers, the good lawyers in South Carolina up against any lawyers that I ever had that appeared in front of me. But like everything else, we have lawyers that probably should not be trying cases or probably shouldn't be doing some things that come in front of a judge. They just, they just don't have the, the background or the experience. So. Dane, before you go, so here's where I told you uh, before the show, I wanted to tell you a story. And this is an absolutely true story. I know you don't remember it. So I was a public defender. Now we're talking about like nine years ago. And, you know, just um, one year I had a clerkship the first year where I think it was the first year I met you. And then after that, I'm in the same building, public defender. So I had a client who wanted to fire me uh, in court. And, you know, they bring him in front. He wanted to be relieved, wanted me to be relieved of counsel. So they brought him before you. And you have a distinction in my life. You're the first person because you told my client that day, are you sure you want to fire uh, Mr. Bias? He's a good lawyer. And that's the first time anybody said that I was a good lawyer. So I always remember that. And I'll thank you for that. Now, here's the other part to that. So I'm riding high because I think he chose because you said not to fight. Like, so I continue with representation. I go back to the office. I tell everybody, you know, Judge Barber said I was a good lawyer. So the next day was probation revocations. And I'm feeling kind of high and mighty about myself. It's like, yeah, I'm doing good, Judge Barber. And then you smacked my client down and sent him to prison and fully revoked him. So it, it balanced that ego right back out. It was great. It was wonderful. So I appreciate both of those lessons, sir. Uh, those are the, you know, the lawyer can't out, outweigh the facts. You know, <laughs> you, you're only as good as the facts. Now, if you've prepared, you can probably do a good job of presenting the facts in a light most favorable to your client, but you <laughs> still can't change the facts. And in probation cases, I don't know what case you're talking about, but uh, you know, most people that come before a judge on a probation violation have, in fact, done what they allegedly yeah. um, called upon. And uh, it's an uphill battle. Yeah, I don't care how good the lawyer it's, it's, is. It's an uphill it's battle. Not great. Yes, sir. Some people talk about you know making chicken salad. You know, that, there's a saying for that, right? So, <laughs> uh, so uh, Judge Barber, we were all this talk about good lawyers and uh, being a judge for that many years is there some lawyers that stood i mean you don't have to answer this if you don't want to 
but is there a, a few names that you, of lawyers that came across over the years that just stood out above the rest that, uh, you know, obviously some may not be practicing or some may still be practicing if, if people want to reach out for mentors, you know, again, I'm all, always trying to help out. Hey, clearly it's listen. me. You didn't just hear my story. <laughs> clearly it's me. Well, the probation revocation, <laughs> I'm sure that, that one, Sorry. that one client may, uh, <laughs> may disagree, but we've had some great lawyers appear in front of me and generally the, the really great lawyers are in the really hard big cases uh, the younger the younger lawyers who are just sort of um, getting their feet wet uh, they, they don't have the kind of case that allows you to really be creative and you're gonna try the case for a week or two weeks uh, I mean one one lawyer I will mention that um, that I, I really enjoy trying cases with them is Dane's former uh, boss, uh, John Delgado. Um, I mean, I tried a number of cases. I tried a capital case with John Delgado and, and, and he did a great job. I mean, he, he did an absolutely great job. And I, and I've known, I knew John when he was in college at Emory. I had a brother that was in the same fraternity at Emory and John was sort of a little, uh, wise guy back in those days. He was, I think he was a freshman in college. And then he came to he came to Columbia and went to law school and I reacquainted with him and 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 I mean he tried uh, he tried a, a an arson case in Marion in front of me that was just I mean he did an absolutely great job that that death penalty case he and Lee Casiola uh, did a great job in trying that case he, I mean, their whole purpose was to try and get a uh, a life um, the guy was clearly guilty and the state. I uh, wanted to give him death, and, and John and Lee did a great job. Uh, uh, the case that Dane's talking about, I, I don't really remember uh, that case unless he refreshed me on the facts, but he, he was always prepared. He, John knew his business. Now, J John would push the envelope a little bit if you'd, if you'd let him, um, but he was just aggressive, and, and I didn't have a problem with that because if you called him down, he he just complied with everything you said and uh, he didn't he knew the rules he knew rule 43 once you ruled against shut up and he and he did i think i think that actually happened in that one trial you had to had to kind of tone him down just a hair we were pushing the line on one thing and uh you're right you, you said john and he said i got you and it just you know all you had to do was just say his name and he he, he started to tone it down and taking a different direction but we had we had a lot of good lawyers and, and uh, have a lot of good lawyers in South Carolina, and there's nothing better than trying a case with good lawyers because your job is is almost over. I tried a murder case one time with uh, Knox McMahon was representing the solicitor and Jack Swirling was representing the defendant, and that case ended up pleading I think on a Thursday afternoon or a Friday morning, but in that four to five days worth of trial there was one objection. They knew each other's case so well and they right. knew their rules and they knew their how to behave that it was just a pleasure to try the case. And if you get good lawyers, I mean, they make hard cases easy. Uh, well, not easy, but they make them manageable and, and, and they make them fun. And um, I love trying cases with good lawyers. Judge, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, Again, for our listenership, we talked about kind of being on the bench. You know, I was a former law clerk. I, that's how we met. I was curious about 
what you look for in a law clerk or what you looked for in a law clerk uh, and what you kind of hope law clerks get out of the experience of working with you? Well, I had two criteria. One, we needed to be compatible. And two, he or she needed to know the computer. Um, because <laughs> I, I, I knew not, nothing about a computer. And uh, those were the two absolute criteria. Uh, on my bonus, the best thing about being a judge is the relationship with your law clerks. I had 22 law clerks and every one of them was absolutely wonderful. Um, uh, some of them have gone on to be some of the best lawyers in the state of South Carolina. Um, one of them has gone on to be a judge. Um, I mean, just some of them went into, went into uh, real estate. So I guess that showed what a great experience they had with me. But they, they spent uh, a year with you and said, I'm, I'm off to real estate. <laughs> but, but I think uh, being a law clerk and, and the state system is, is, is a better job than being a law clerk in the federal system because in the state system, you see trials. You know, in the federal system, they have such a limited number of trials that, that, I mean, it's a great job. It pays well. It's very prestigious. It seems to help lawyers, uh, young lawyers get jobs after their clerkship ends. But when I first went on the bench, we used to try three or four cases a week. I mean, it was just nothing to try cases until uh, uh, Friday, or if you were doing probation revs, try them through Thursday. Uh, you know, now it's difficult to get trials. It, um, criminal cases don't seem to go to trial anymore. Mediation has just absolutely wiped out trials in a, uh, on the civil side. But at least law clerks that uh, are working on, in the state system, working for a circuit court judge, see all those things. And they do get some trial exposure, but they see that they um, have a little bit of contact when the judge has status conferences with with respect to mediation, they see uh, discovery disputes, which is a great part of the um, uh, judge's responsibility now. Uh, they see what it's like to, uh, to kind of comply with what you need to do in order to actually survive in the courthouse, which in my, my first rule was be on time. If you, if you can't do that, you're not going to survive. The two things that judges, I mean, that lawyers need to remember is, one, always be honest with the judge, and two, be on time. Uh, you know, I used to, I don't care. If you come in and tell me what reason it is that you, uh, that you can't try that case uh, and you're honest about it, I'm going to be a whole lot more sympathetic than if you come in and try and just con me into doing something so i love my law clerk it's a great experience traveling with them i mean i used to have fun with when we used to travel when i first went on the bench we would be gone the first six months of the year so we would be in uh, say we'd go to greenville and pickens we'd be up there january through june and then we'd be home for the second six months so you you were spending time with that law clerk and you were either in the car with that law clerk a lot of hours a day or you were spending the night and generally you stayed in the same motel and you would see him have meals with him. Um, and, and so you had to be compatible and, and they had to know computers to, <laughs> to, or, or we wouldn't have been compatible. But I, I would encourage anybody to be a, a, a law clerk that if you have any interest in, uh, in trial work. And, and you know, it, it, even if you're not sure, it might tell you that that's not what you want to do. You might because, need to go to real estate. 
Try, yeah, that's right. Trial work is stressful. It is very stressful. You don't see many old trial lawyers. I mean, really, they most trial lawyers, you know, the good ones in the big firms, they get to they get with the big case after they've been in that firm for thirty years, and, and that never goes to trial or rarely goes to trial. So, um, you know, the it's the younger lawyers and the people that can put up with the stress and the and have to have and have the energy and because it's trying cases is hard. It's I don't know when you were trying cases with the PD's office if if you thought it was. Uh, I mean, well, look, I thought, I, I'm I a general counsel now, so well, well, I know. They'll tell you. I, they'll tell you what I thought of it. Look, I, I tried a six day murder trial that got we didn't try it over the weekend, so it was didn't finish until that Monday afterwards. Uh, so. I, and this was recently, so we had all the COVID protocols, and I can promise you uh, there was a significant, uh, just as anybody, the trial hangover, as you would say, of not only the amount of work and private practice that gets pushed to the side that you have to deal with, but just the 24-7 of being on for that many days straight uh, is, uh, I just don't know how, yeah, yeah, I just don't know how people in other states that have trials that last for six weeks a month or I just don't know how they even survive but uh you know I, I guess you just have to kind of throttle it back and you couldn't couldn't work all night every night uh but uh, yeah it's if, if you have if you haven't done that yet uh, it's uh something to uh it's indescribable well, <laughs> basically well, Dane, I, th tired. I thought when I tried cases I mean even if you had a one-day case at the end of that case, I was exhausted. I mean, your nerves are so keyed up to go into that trial for that, even that short a period of time. And you've put everything into it. And when it's over and you've gotten the verdict, win or lose, you, you're worn out. Quite and, uh, and, and if you uh, if you have a long trial, I, had, I got appointed on a death penalty case when I was practicing law. And it took us two weeks to pick the jury. And there were multiple defendants. And it, my client really was, she was the wife of one of the killers and she was charged with accessory uh, to the murder, which carried, carried death. And uh, they finally let her plead after we picked the jury for two. And I was worn out then. I mean, I, I couldn't go back to work for a day or two. Uh, so, I mean, it is very stressful. And when you're doing criminal stuff and you, and you, you really believe in your client, it's hard. It, it, you know, it just, uh, I have great admiration for, for um, criminal defense lawyers. That, and uh, the, the ones that bug me a little bit are the ones that are overpassioned. I mean, you know, that, that they don't realize that, that, you know, there are guilty people in the world. They may never have represented them, but there are guilty people. <laughs> I was about well, to say, you uh, haven't listened clients, to the show. Yeah. yeah, all my clients are innocent. Madeline, I think you had something. Yeah, Judge, so you mentioned that your law clerks have gone on to do anything for real estate, also taking the bench. If a young lawyer is listening to this and thinking that maybe you know, taking the benches in their future, what would you say to them is the most valuable thing or things they can do throughout their career before they make that jump? Well, I think get some trial experience. Um, I think that's critical. That, uh, that there have been people, especially back when, when I first went on the bench, you could get elected as on the bench 
as a member of the General Assembly. So you could be a sitting member in the House and, and get elected, which made it hard for people who wanted to run against them. I ran against somebody who, one of the things I ask you in judicial qualification, name three trials, give the name to three trials and tell something about it. Well, one of the people running who was a member of the General Assembly had never tried, never tried a case in the circuit court, had had some family court experience and had been a co-counsel in a Supreme Court case. I think she associated somebody on that went up to the Supreme Court. And that, that just doesn't make fruit. You know, they event, they may be great judges. It may, it just takes them some time, but I think getting trial experience, it, I, I think it's, it's good to understand what trial lawyers go through. So if, perspective. You have, if you have done that and you realize that it is a difficult job, that clients are difficult um, and they're doing the best they can. I mean, you're somewhat empathetic. Again, I mean, lawyers behavior would, could set me off uh, when they weren't prepared or they didn't show up on time or they uh, came to court and they had some silly reason why they couldn't do what those things would uh, bug me. But um, if they came in and said, Here, here's the deal. Uh, I, I had a client, I mean, a, a lawyer in South Carolina who is now a very prominent elected politician in South Carolina. And um, he, he showed up in my office one day and said, Judge, I have a, a case that is set for the week of September, I'll pick a day, 15th. And this, this was in the middle of August. It was hot as the dicks. And this fella, who happens to now be the governor, uh, comes in and he looked like a million dollars. He had the starch collar and he looked great. And, and he said, I got this railroad case and it's scheduled for September and frankly judge I'm just not ready I have not done what I need to do to get ready and I said well have you talked to the other lawyer and he said no but he hates me he's a lawyer in Atlanta and he hates me and so I said well we got to call him so we called that lawyer and sure enough within 15 seconds I knew he hated him he said this lawyer this fellow has not done anything, not answering discoveries, never prepared, he doesn't return calls, he doesn't do anything. So I said, well, I can't punish his client. I mean, you know, you feel like you, I want about him, but I can't punish his client because he's not prepared. So I'm gonna continue the case. Oh, this lawyer was upset. I said, we're gonna continue this case. I looked at my book, I said, how about November 3rd? That time this lawyer was chairman of the South Carolina Republican Party. That was also a presidential election year. And he said, oh yeah, that's great, that's great. And he had this young fellow with him who is now the head of the Department of Corrections, who was his brand new associate. And, <laughs> and, he, and they, they bounce out of the office there as happy as they can be, case has been continued. My thinking, and I said to my law clerk, let's see how long it takes him to figure out <laughs> to that that is the Monday before the presidential election. And 15 minutes later, he's back in my office, sweats pouring off his face. He said, Judge, Judge, you can't do that to me. I said, what's the problem there? He said, "That's the I'm chairman of the Republican Party. That's I said, well, you picked the date. I mean, he said, oh, you just can't. And I said, I, I said, 
all right, well, let's call that lawyer again. He said, oh, God, do we have to? <laughs> so we called him. But it was kind of fun messing with him a little bit. That's one of the best yeah. war stories we've ever had. Yeah, honestly, yeah, that's that's really good. I was going to ask he, you for a war story, but I don't think you could. Well, you tell me. Is you have one better than that? Because that's really good. Well, he uh, he actually ended up trying that case, and he and I, he, I've never laughed so hard in a case when he was trying. He would he would not, when he cross-examined a witness, he would walk around the jury, the uh, courtroom. And as he would walk around, he'd say, okay, Mr. Jones, and he tried railroad cases and railroad case, FBLA cases. You know, they were workers' comp cases, people that worked for the railroad. And he'd say, Mr. Jones, now, when you were opening that boxcar, you did such and such, did you? And then he would put his two fingers like he was shooting a gun. <laughs> Every question he asked, he did that. He'd walk around, he came <laughs> <Game> to figure <laughs> And I, I laughed so hard on the bench. I know the jury thought, what is going on here with this guy? <laughs> but but, but uh, actually, he, uh, government master has a great feel for trying cases. And he, uh, he really could relate to that jury. Now, I would tell you that they settled that case three days in or something like that, which I think was a good thing on his part uh, <laughs> because he, he didn't have the facts that, and he was being forced to put up, but that was a funny story. That that's pretty good. Well, Judge, yeah. we appreciate your time this evening, and we certainly appreciate all your service to the state of South Carolina. Usually at this time, we ask our guests for like their social media and stuff. I'm guessing you don't have a TikTok account that you want to <laughs> share with everyone, but uh, you know, in the event that you did, now would be the time. Um, you know, you, that's why you're a good lawyer because you can guess well. <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs> I well, wouldn't know what a TikTok account is. I, I've never, <laughs> I've never looked at Facebook. And see, so, this is why you're you're wiser than all the rest of us. That's much better person. <laughs> yeah, but, you are. You are pure and unadulterated <laughs> by the world on Facebook. Well, one thing I do have is two daughters, one of which is a lawyer who. They do tell me, Dad, you should have seen what was on Facebook. I mean, so I do hear about some of the things. Yeah, you get all the important bits. But they, uh, just one more story I want to tell you. Please. About, yes. about, about lawyers and young lawyers, especially. When I finished law school, I worked for the Department of Justice. And this was in Washington. And this was during the Vietnam anti-war stuff. Y'all are way too young to remember and we had at that time, they had some May Day demonstrations. They had 100,000 people demonstrate against the war in, in uh, Vietnam. And, the, and they arrested so many people, they had to use the uh, Kennedy Stadium as the holding place. They must have arrested 30,000 people. Well, wow. they, they charged a number of people with crossing state lines. The feds did crossing state lines to incite a riot, one of which was a fellow named Abby Hoffman. Ever heard of Abby Hoffman? I was, was actually going to ask you that I've watched uh, Netflix did a movie, uh, The Trial of the Chicago Seven, and I know he's a, a big uh, player that was a part of that. So that I would yeah, have not he, known he him. One of the, he was one of the Chicago Seven. And, and, okay. and, and of course, you know, our division of the Justice Department tried that 
Chicago seven case in Chicago, but um, you know, I hadn't, I wasn't with the department when they did that, but Abby Hoffman was a character. He was at one time a world champion Duncan yo-yo guy. <laughs> oh my goodness. And, and those, in that, uh, those riots, he was charged with crossing state lines. He claimed that the DC police department beat him to a pulp. He was arrested in New York, extradited down to DC, and they beat him to a pulp. So we were sitting in the, uh, in the courtroom waiting to start his, his preliminary hearing. And the judge comes out and the, the marshal, the bailiff, can tell, hey, here you, here you, all right. And, and Abby Hoffman didn't get up. Now, before court, Abby Hoffman had been in the hallway with his world champion Duncan Yo-Yo jacket on it. And he was doing tricks with Yo-Yos. He was doing around the world, <laughs> walking the dog. He could do any, I mean, he was amazing what he could do. And flipping this thing. But he didn't stand up when the judge came out. And his lawyer gets up and says, judge, you'll have to excuse my client, but he was so severely beaten before the, uh, uh, when he was arrested that he, he can't, he can't stand. He's just incapable of standing. And the judge says, well, okay, if that's the case, just keep your seat. So they asked him how he pled, he pled not guilty, and they set a bond and, and um, judge adjourned. And so as soon as the judge is out of the courtroom and most of the spectators are gone. Abby Hoffman gets up and he's starting his yo-yos again. He's just, <laughs> he's just doing things. But he was a funny guy. Some of those guys, Chicago 7, they were not very pleasant people, but he, he was a funny guy. He was pleasant to the government lawyers. Uh, he, he was just... If, if anybody guy. has Netflix, definitely check out the movie The Trial of the Chicago 7. To give you perspective, Joseph, Shasha... Baron Cohen yeah. Play, yeah, plays I, his, I, I'm uh, aware of it. I haven't gotten around to it yet. I, it's I'm, a good watch. It's a good one. I, I, I appreciate it. And, and Judge, we appreciate you. I, look, anytime you want to come on and tell uh, more stories, you know, we have the time, but we'll, we'll, it's a pleasure, sir. Well, I thank you. And that, 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 I think this is a great thing y'all are doing. It's, you know, it lets a lot of young people understand what, what's involved with trying cases and getting ready to try cases and trying to get out of law school. And, um, you know, being, being a lawyer is a, a great, great thing. And, and uh, no, nobody gives a lawyer any credit till they need them. Well, then, thank judge. Thank you so much for taking some time for us. We certainly appreciate it. If you're listening to us for the first time, you can, Go back and hear all of our old episodes on our website, sclawpod.com. You can follow us at sclawpod on Twitter and Facebook. You can follow me at Joseph P. Bias. Follow Dane at Lawyer, And follow Amber at Red Judicata and tell her you missed her on the podcast. Uh, even though I'm not saying we have the best possible co-host, but Madeline, thank you so much for filling in the best possible co-host. You're welcome if the shoe fits. I'm happy go. to wear it. There you go. Uh, we don't need the Batesburg contingency giving us any grief. So that's we appreciate right. you stepping in. Listen, they're small but mighty. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week on the Direct Examination Podcast. <laughs>